Hey guys, just before we begin this podcast, I would like to tell you about our sponsors, McCann Fitzgerald, who we are incredibly lucky to have as a sponsor, as they are one of the top law firms in the country. One of the things we've noticed about them, after speaking with so many different law firms, is that while clearly being a top-tier firm, they also have a clear human touch to what they do and are very forward-thinking. Partners are very involved with graduates and trainees, which seems to have cultivated this incredible culture for people to stay for a long time because they enjoy it and feel part of the community. So if you're looking for a career in law, definitely check out their career site, as it seems to be a really great place to work. Hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks. Hi guys, Ruby here. Welcome back to the Grad Life podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by John Neeson, a senior associate in the corporate group of McCann Fitzgerald. John studied law in Trinity before working in a criminal law firm in Dublin. Following that, he spent some time traveling, ultimately securing a job in the office of the Attorney General in Sydney. Upon moving back to Ireland, he set his FE1s and joined McCann as a trainee where he's been for the past 12 years. Hi, John. Thanks so much for coming on. No problem at all. My pleasure. Um, so I suppose the best place to start is, is probably the beginning of your career, um, which I take it was probably your decision to study law at third level. So can I ask what prompted that decision? And was there any particular reason for, for choosing Trinity? Uh, yeah, I suppose I, I, I wouldn't say I was going through school with a burning desire to be a lawyer, not least a corporate lawyer. In fact, I suspect if you told me that at the time, I would have laughed you out of the place. Um, it was more convenience than anything else, to be perfectly honest. My my, my family is, is sort of full of lawyers. My dad's a barrister, my brother's a barrister, my aunt is a barrister. So that it was a sort of a, a, in some ways a lazy decision, but also quite calculated because I'm, I'm from Belfast or just outside Belfast. And so did the A-level. So there's a reduced set of, of subjects you do up there. I only did three. So my sort of academic skills were definitely better suited to sort of things like English, history, politics, and that kind of stuff. So having chosen those subjects uh, and being in a sort of a legal family, it was kind of seemed to just be the obvious default decision. So I'd be lying to you if I said I agonized for months and months over it. I kind of just drifted into it in a very lazy way, to be quite honest, and it all worked out for the best. So yeah. And then Trinity, I suppose... Um, I was very keen to, to, to sort of live a bit of a life outside of Northern Ireland. And I sort of looked at, you know, some of the universities in, in England and, and, and the UK and stuff like that. And then I just applied in the CAO as well to a few of the Irish in, in universities and just figured that Trinity seemed like the best of both worlds because, you know, it, it, I'd be independent. I'd be sort of somewhere a bit different, a bit new. And it's an exceptional university, obviously, uh, but also you know, if at, at the tender age of 18, you know, I got a bit homesick, it's a hop on a train and I'm home in a couple of hours as well. So it just seemed to be the logical choice, really. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Um, and would you say, are there any standout moments from your years in Trinity or like anything that, that really has stuck with you? Uh, several. I'm not sure many of them and many of my friends would appreciate me divulging the details of them here. I, I, I really find it a fantastic experience. I, I, I suppose I was probably people might laugh to hear this now particularly people I work with I was probably a relatively shy person within school and it did I mean the independence of it and the friends I made really brought a sort of a difference a different character out of me that I kind of I guess was obviously always in there somewhere but I didn't maybe have the confidence to show it uh like to be honest the standout moments are all social um you know, you know the, the trinity balls and whatnot and things like that and this sort of we we would have gone interrailing over the summer with my friends and things like that and then the the j1 so 
I look back very fondly on my years in Trinity and most of them revolve around either the traveling aspects or sitting outside the path or something like that. It's not so much sort of the the, the edification process that I'm sure they would like me to be talking about, but uh, that, I, I just enjoyed it all, really. I have to be honest, I, didn't, I, I couldn't fault the place. Good, I suppose. Well, well, that's a good way to look back on it. Um, so then when you, when you did leave Trinity, you were faced with the, the dilemma that many of our listeners will soon be arriving at, which is uh, what to do next. And you ended up getting a job with a, with a criminal law firm in Dublin. So can you tell us a bit about how that came about? Yeah, sure. And you might notice a bit of a pattern emerging here of me getting to an infection point in my life and not really having fully thought through what I was going to do. But uh, I guess uh, in line with the sort of default view of like, oh, my parents, you know, my, my dad was a barter, my brother's barter. I guess I was trending towards that in the early stages of Trinity just because that seemed to be the way my family went and the closer I got to the end point I kind of started to realize that maybe that wasn't best suited to my particular skill sets and stuff like that and maybe it wasn't quite the journey I wanted to take so I guess the idea behind the criminal law firm job was to be honest kind of kicking the decision down the road as to what I really wanted to do in the long term so it was a paralegal job it was a I got um, basically got to go down to courts every day so I got to see what the sort of the criminal solicitor's life was like, which was obviously very interesting. And there's, you know, stuff you, you wouldn't see in other law firms that you do there. But equally, uh, I thought it was a good way to go because I also got to meet a lot of junior barristers in particular and got to understand a little bit more about the life that they were going to be living and, and the way their day-to-day was. And then, of course, you, you bump into other solicitors, you know, in other firms and you get a bit of an understanding of what they do. And it just gave me a bit of breathing space, I think, to sort of, formulate a bit more of a plan now I wouldn't say I sort of there wasn't a eureka moment when I was there either that I thought right I want to be a corporate lawyer I think the corporate lawyer decision all came quite a bit later mm-hmm. uh, and then I, after about two years there you know I, it kind of felt like I really had to sort of make a decision one way or another whether I was going to stay in the criminal law thing and while it was extremely interesting day to day and the people involved the people I worked with were great and really entertaining I guess I, there's only so many times for me that you could be dealing with sort of, you know, the, the run of the mill road traffic cases and things like that. And I, I kind of thought there was something maybe out there that I would be more interested in. I, I mean, certainly through university, uh, I fancied myself as a human rights lawyer or something like that, as I'm sure many of your contemporaries do now. And while that's something I would have loved to have done, the, the actual opportunities in the space that also, I mean, pay you sufficiently well to, to do what you need to do in your own own life are, are kind of few far between so uh, we got to the the end of the the criminal law journey and, and as fortune would have it two or three of my closest friends were taking a decision to go traveling at that time so I thought look why not kick the can down the road even further and go traveling then and you know hopefully you know the eureka moment would hit me at that point uh, so we did all that. I went down through Southeast Asia and up through Australia, New Zealand and back through Asia again, uh, stopping off, as as I think I told you before, um, in Australia. And we spent about six months there. So I worked in the Attorney General's office out there, which again, uh, a legal job, which I, at that point I was getting a bit more cynical, maybe a little bit more savvy about what was to come. And I was aware that I probably needed to have a bit of a CV building exercise and to have something to say 
in an interview explaining what I was doing other than just, you know, hanging out in Bondi Beach, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, that was kind of the idea behind that. And again, I got a, a, a quite a different experience to what I would have had in the criminal firm. So it's a very much more civil servant type environment. Uh, the way things are done, they're very, very different, operationally very different. But also I got to meet some very interesting lawyers and, and got a very different perspective of how, what a lawyer could be outside of a criminal law, law context, because bearing in mind at that stage, the only thing I'd really seen were the guys in the criminal law firm do their thing, which is a very, very different type of law to the sort of thing you might be doing, say, in, in my job I'm in now. Yeah. Um, um, so, this are the experience of working in a different country and different jurisdiction has helped you then in your career, like dealing with clients, maybe if you have international clients or things like that? I think it has indirectly, um, I suppose there's, there's two buckets. One, uh, I mean, more cynically, as I said, for, for people at the stage you're at when you're, you're, you're probably going to be going for interviews and things at a certain point in time, I find that having some things on the CV to say that weren't necessarily just about, I was in university and I got, you know, first here, there and everywhere and look at my academics, to be able to have something to say that was maybe slightly different and might look at, it's by no means massively novel that people have gone and done, done something abroad, but to speak with a bit of authority about how something's done slightly differently. And then um, equally, the people interviewing you generally are interested to know interesting things about your life and my experiences there were maybe a little bit different than, than somebody else's so it it makes for a more natural conversation in an interview which was very helpful and then I guess in a, in a more professional sense for experience yes I find it helpful uh, just the more I saw people interact with clients and with 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 difficult characters both in the criminal firm and uh, in Australia different methods, different ways, even culturally different ways of doing it. Certainly in Australia, it didn't seem quite as uh, formal. Uh, and I suppose subliminally, I think I took a lot of that in. And my style generally in work is probably a little less formal than you might imagine for somebody who's sort of 10, 12 years in a, a corporate law firm. So uh, yes, I think indirectly it did impact me quite a lot, but uh, I suppose the day-to-day -day skills I picked up there probably less relevant to to my job now than than you might think. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Um, so then after Australia, you decided to come home. Um, what prompted that decision? And at that stage, kind of how were you feeling about like future career options and things? Yeah, I I mean I I was always I mean I was never planning on sort of living a life out in Australia. Um, it was really I mean it was essentially. I mean, I might have told others something differently to get to get to get away in it, but it was essentially to have fun with my friends and, you know, cynically build a CV while I was out there. So a few of my friends had had their um, training contracts and stuff all, all lined up before. So they were always going to come back at a certain point in time. Uh, and I, I kind of knew that was going to be the end point. And it was never really on my horizon to sort of live that far away from home. I mean, I'm a bit of a home bird at the end of the day. Uh, and, you know, I'm very pasty, pasty and me in Australia for a long time, wouldn't be doing anyone any favors. So it, it was not a difficult decision to come home because it was always in the plan. Um, I guess turning to sort of the career side of it, it was always in the back of my mind that, you know, the, the clock was ticking a little bit. Uh, you know, people were starting to sort of move on to the, the the serious end of things and actually you know try and carve out a proper career or start their career that that start the path of their career that they're going to go on so i guess just from chatting to my friends who were doing it and then you know 
really analyzing a little bit about what I wanted to do, I kind of figured, look, I, I firmed up on my mind that I didn't want to be biased with that for one thing. And while I would, again, not say at this stage that the corporate law lifestyle was sort of calling me, I, I kind of figured, why not go for the big firms, you know, get the the, the, the good, the gold class training in the big firms, get experience to something that, quite frankly, I didn't really know anything about at this stage. Uh, and, you know, while doing my traineeship there, you know, I'll learn something, maybe I like it. And if I don't, you know, what's the worst? I've got a qualification from one of the biggest, um, a traineeship with one of the biggest firms and, you know, see where I go from there. So that was kind of the idea behind it. So I had started, you know, emailing and, and having conversations with, you know, human resources departments within the big firms to see if I could get sort of a, a job, not necessarily a traineeship, but even a paralegal job while I was doing the FE ones and things like that. So I kind of made the decision to spend the next year doing the exams and all that kind of stuff after that. Uh, so that was probably a less enjoyable year because as, as you know, like any exams, it's kind of fairly intense and even when you're not studying for them you feel like you should be so um I kind of broke them up into two sets and sort of worked while doing it uh, in, in, a, in a different law firm then which gave me again a good bit more experience in what is much more closer to what I do now and what we do in McCann's I wasn't the banking department rather than corporate but it was much more of a corporate firm big firm this is how we do it this is sort of the structure and reporting lines and this is the type of type of work that you'd be seeing sort of the documentation the drafting the negotiation and the, the dealing with the sort of the more corporate client so to speak uh, so it was a very interesting experience as well and how did you find then the experience of working while studying for the FE ones and like was it useful I suppose in framing and um, giving you a sense of what the corporate career might be like um it wasn't my favorite year uh, I mean that like that's a given uh, it, it was tricky enough um, I was fortunate enough that, that the place I was working with gave me a fair amount of latitude as well. So, you know, when I needed to to be off or I needed time, they did give it to me. So I guess maybe that's something I wouldn't have expected from a big firm. You kind of get this idea that it's sort of a soulless machine and the reality is quite different. Um, certainly it is in McCann's and they do give you, you know, a lot of scope to do the personal thing that you need to do. Uh, I suppose it. I was always a pretty hard worker and it was a very hard year of you know working and then studying uh, yeah. so yes I suppose looking back you know I was fairly robust at the time and I'm kind of now you know fairly well used to working hard when I need to so yeah it, it, was, it was it was it was I mean time management becomes very important uh, what is also important and something maybe people forget about too much is still being able to carve out time for yourself which is neither professional work time or in that case studying time so I think I did a reasonably good job of that uh, insofar as you can do when when you're you know, studying that kind of stuff so yeah it was I mean it was tough it was a challenge but uh, you know at the end of the day you know we were all gonna have to do it to yeah. to, to get there and I, to some degree I made my own bed because I didn't do them straight after university when everybody else did so you know I had a fine time then. <laughs> um, and then at that stage, how did the traineeship with McCann Fitzgerald come about? Yeah, I, so I suppose I did the the FE ones and, and the interview processes around the same time and uh, kind of interviewed with kind of the usual slug of firms that everybody who kind of is in that space, to, space does. And yeah, in one degree, you don't know a huge amount about what you're getting into and uh, at its face level everything kind of looks the same because you know it's this big intimidating firm and you're kind of you're wondering geez do I really know what I'm doing and I suppose what clinched it for me with McCann's over the others was purely 
a the experience I had in the interview actually um it, it just it was much more of a chat and a conversation and yeah like to be frank a bit more fun it, nobody was I didn't feel like anyone was trying to trick me or you know ask me any sort of academic or legal questions it really felt more that they were just interested in seeing what kind of personality I was and would I gel with them unfortunately the, the two people that I was interviewed by I seem to get on pretty well with and I just came out of it feeling you know a, a lot more comfortable with how things went whereas you know you're kind of on edge generally in an interview anyway and they put me at ease right away uh, so that was it I mean I, I had a couple of horror stories as well with some of the other firms where you know they ask you a couple of questions and I tried to make a bit of a joke and you know it fell flat and you know it all got a bit awkward very quickly uh, so yeah it just seemed to suit well it seemed they, the people that interviewed me suited my personality my character uh, and it was nothing more than that it was really a gut reaction that that's kind of the one I thought suited me best um, uh, had a chat with a couple of people who were a couple of years ahead of me uh, and, and knew of the firm or were in the firm and they all spoke very highly of it so I guess I just went with my gut more than anything else and yeah I'm happy with that decision so <laughs> um and then in terms of the trainee experience with McCann uh, did you get the option to choose your seats or is that um how does that work can you tell us just a bit about the trainee experience yeah you do it to some degree so it's kind of I don't know how much you know about the sort of the black hole place training versus the actual in 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 house uh, in the firm you know acting in various departments things so we we I started out with most of my intake going to black hole first so it's six months of um let's say in fun anyway with a panicked exam at the exam or two at the end of it and then we joined so I suppose in one sense I was fortunate from a collegiate perspective that we all knew each other quite well before we got into the office so you, you weren't kind of walking in on your own thinking goodness me what am I going to do I've, I've kind of no allies here but I suppose more professionally then in terms of could I pick seats and things like that I think from memory the first seat is somewhat thrust upon you uh, which at the time I remember thinking oh that's that's horrendous so oh, I don't want to do this one but I mean looking back on it it's probably the best thing in a way for me because you know I really only thought I wanted to do litigation and looking back it's really it's because that's the only thing I really fully understood or knew what it was yeah. I didn't really know what a corporate lawyer did if I'm perfectly frank uh, I certainly didn't know anything about competition law and EU regulated markets which was the the the, uh, the first seat I was put in and I remember thinking god that's gonna be awful and it was actually extremely interesting and it was just it opened my eyes a little bit to be a bit more um I guess a bit more receptive to, to trying something else like I you know I think probably the litigation thing was somewhat ingrained in me from one knowing what it was first off and understanding and having had a bit of background in criminal work which is obviously similar court work uh, and my bar, my brother and my father both being barrister so that was something I was much more readily able to understand and understand the role that it would be a I, I do think a after the first one there is scope to sort of make suggestions as to where you would like to go next. Uh, and I think that's much more advanced than it even was back then. I think back then it was much more like, where is the need? Whereas now they do try and focus more on where would you like to go? But I would guard against being too focused, as I said, on you know wanting one particular thing, because as it turned out, if you'd asked me at the start of my McCann's journey, did I want to be where I am now? I would have said, absolutely not. But having tried it out and worked with the people I worked with and got to grips with it actually it suits me very well and I quite enjoy it you know so it, it it's amazing what you find out about yourself going through these things that you think you wouldn't want to do as well so I think the message is an open mind is, is not a bad thing for that type of stuff 
Yeah, absolutely. And then, um, so on that point, why did you actually end up in the in the corporate group? What influenced that decision? Uh, I think mostly the people. So I spent time in uh, the competition team, which was a lovely team. Uh, I did a bit of work in litigation and personal injuries. And again, I really enjoyed that. And, and for quite a long time, I was fairly set that that's what I was going to do. Uh, my third seat, I was lucky enough to go over to the London seat and spent six months over there. And again, fantastic. And at that point, uh, Valerie Lawler, who's now the head of corporate, uh, came over to sort of run the corporate side of things in London alongside UBD, who, who, who did more of the financing side. So I ended up doing a bit of crossover work for both of them and just naturally enjoyed uh, the work that Valerie was giving me a little bit more. And then my final seat moving back was actually in, in corporate sort of the more traditional sort of mergers and acquisitions kind of stuff. And from there, the people I work with in particular, more than anything else, was probably the main reason. I mean, like the work is, is enjoyable, but what made it for me was the day-to-day and the fun we had and the kind of the, the camaraderie and stuff like that, which is, again, is something that I never would have imagined day one going into a big big commercial corporate firm thinking that, you know, it's, you know, it's not as serious as it looks and, you know, the people are actually kind of good fun. So it's as much the personalities as anything else. Um, and then obviously, as you get more familiar with the work you're doing and you get more confident in what you're doing, you obviously start to enjoy that bit more yourself as well. Uh, so I never really look back from there. Yeah, well, that's all nice to hear. Um, and I suppose then what does like day-to-day work look like for you? You spoke about mergers and acquisitions or what kind of end or would you, what are you involved in mostly? Yeah, um, so I suppose if you, at a high level, it's it's corporate work, uh, traditionally focusing on transactions. So it's buying, selling companies, either acting for the buyer or the seller, uh, possibly investments or things like that. There's also day-to-day needs and commercial contracts and stuff like that. But probably the most interesting thing that I do is I, I co-lead the Start Strong program in McCann's, which is a, a, a program dedicated to startups. Uh, so if, as you can imagine, startups and big firm prices isn't a particularly easy match normally. So we have a program that we've set up over the last couple of years dedicated to sort of focusing on what we consider to be high potential clients of the future and offering them, you know, high top tier legal advice at kind of more affordable prices and to be a bit flexible with how they pay and how they deal and how they how, how they can manage their costs and stuff like that but equally making sure that they're positioned well uh, going forward so that you know they're i mean i guess that the decision to do that is logical enough and um, it's not that easy to just walk into say a facebook now and say oh we'd like to you know be your lawyers you know they're obviously been around for a long time you know they've got their own people that they've used for many years that's it's probably easier to find a client at an early stage uh, that has a, has a good opportunity, become their trusted advisor, and then you're going to be there with them the whole way through their journey. So as their lead, needs perform, um, become more sophisticated, uh, obviously the, the firm's involvement and need is greater. And as they are able to bear it, the fees become more, more akin to what a typical corporate client might be expected to pay. I mean, the, the life cycle of a startup, generally speaking, is kind of, you know, early stage funding, uh, assists with day-to-day stuff like employment, commercial contracts, maybe data protection, tax, possibly litigation if there's something sounds slightly wrong. But the ultimate goal is generally, you know, towards either a sale or a listing on, on the stock exchange or something like that. Or, you know, if things haven't gone well, you know, unfortunately, are winding up, which is obviously services that a big firm can provide the whole way along. So personally, I really enjoyed that type of work. Uh, you get to meet people typically who are quite young, quite, uh, 
you know, enthusiastic, invigorated, um, maybe not so, you know, battle-worn by life within a big corporate entity. So, you know, it's, it's much more of a partnership and a friendship nearly at that stage. And, you know, you feel like you're actually actively involved and, you know, their success kind of feels like your success um, as they go through. So I find that bit extremely rewarding. Um, uh, and, you know, that's, that's probably... The, the main bit that I kind of, I wouldn't be, the, I wouldn't be all of the work that I do, but that's a large part of the work I do, as well as the usual kind of buying and selling companies for the larger entities that would be more traditional clients of the likes of McAvoy. Interesting. And then, um, how has that kind of work transitioned to the online environment? Is it harder to keep client relationships? Do you find? Uh, yes, yeah, it, it, it is. Now, I think you can kind of break it down in two. I think when the um, the pandemic started you know you know the idea of sort of business development and actually going meeting people and and, and you know trying to pull in clients it was very difficult to come up with something to do uh on at the first first sort of six eight weeks or so people sort of by default turned to sort of like a webinar or you know you know churning out you know swathes of information through linkedin and things like that which is it has a value uh but there was a saturation point there. And I think people stopped being able to read it or listen to it and things like that. So the world has changed rapidly. Certainly in the legal profession in Ireland is, is, or certainly traditionally was quite archaic and we would have been fairly slow to embrace, you know, the sort of the working from home, remote working thing and, and you know, video calls and stuff like that. Uh, and there are obviously drawbacks to that in, in, in a large professional environment as well. But this forced everybody, including us, to really, get to grips with how to work in this manner and I think for the last few months people have really got a lot better at it and it's become much more the norm and a lot less cringeworthy to sort of suggest to somebody let's have a quick zoom with a cup of coffee or a chat to catch up to who you're doing I guess for me personally it's also made me a little bit more um, a little bit less self-conscious about actually just reaching out to somebody saying okay I saw you in the paper I saw you did this stuff if you happen to need any help, we happen to have this service for you, you know, being a bit more proactive about getting out there in a different way. Like we're kind of fortunate in a big firm like McCann's that, you know, the, the business development requirement is obviously still very important, but because the brand is there and the size of the firm and the existing client relationships, there's generally speaking a fair churn of work that will always come in through the door net of whatever you do uh, to sort of drive new business. So we're lucky in that, in that regard, but equally, it, it's important that all of us put in a big effort to try and grow the firm and grow the go grow the amount of clients we have. So, yeah, it has been challenging. I think for startups, probably slightly less so because you're dealing typically with younger people like yourself who are sort of entrepreneurial and who are much more savvy with this type of thing and are much less concerned. I mean, I'm sure you're probably doing most of your degree now online. So this is the life you're kind of living. Uh, you know, so I probably was impacted a little bit less, I think, maybe than people who focus solely on sort of the, the, the blue chip clients and things like that, because you're sort of, there's a few more gray hairs in the head there and like the, getting to with the technology and, and ways and means of interacting now, possibly slightly harder for them. Yeah. So they're, they're having opportunities, but I suppose challenges as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it gives you an opportunity as well. Um to set yourself apart a little bit now we had been 
sort of uh, working on an idea in the background even before the pandemic about kind of an online document generator, which basically allows startups to log in and fill in the blanks almost of their own and, and spew out their own legal documents without the need to necessarily come in and chat to us, you know, the way you'd formally set yourself up, go for a meeting with a lawyer, they'd go off and draft it and you'd be waiting for them to come back. And it puts a lot of that into the hands of the client. And I think that was like a beacon to a lot of the early stage people because one, they they like to be able to do things themselves. Uh, they like the idea that they can do it online remotely and they don't have to wait for us and our timetables and our deadlines. They can just get on and do it. So I think that was one thing we did that was you know worth, do, worth doing. We launched that sort of a soft launch actually as the pandemic was ongoing. Uh, and hopefully now we'll, we'll be able to do a bit more of a, a, a drum roll on it now when we when we get out of the lockdown so people can see it on a more formal basis but stuff like that uh yeah definitely definitely worth doing yeah cool um then i suppose one of my final questions is just whether you have any advice to to people listening who might be coming out of college not too sure if they want to get into corporate law or what they might want to do like a bit like yourself i suppose when you finished um what would you say? yeah I, I do i mean like we we have a lot of people who come in you know, and sort of apprenticeships and stuff like that. And there's definitely two types of people who come in. There's people who are clearly driven and know what they want and they're out to get it. And that's great. There's You also see another category of person who I think is much more like myself, who sort of, uh, not, not to underplay, but somewhat breeze along and like it's the thing people are doing and you're almost hedging your bets by, you know, you know doing these things. You're not kind of excluding yourself from a future process. If you're in the category B, I just say, don't worry like it'll all come in time look life is long you know live it as you enjoy it you know the, the jobs will come if you're smart enough you'll get there like i i tried a few things before i sort of settled on the thing that i ultimately ended up doing and wanted to do and i don't feel any the worse off for it i think sort of my life experience before i started mccann's really stood to me and i suppose in a sort of reductive way once you start in a place as a trainee and if you start you know by not messing up too much and you're getting a relatively good reputation, uh, it's very easy to sort of maintain that where it's a lot harder to build it having sort of, you know, been a nervous starter. So I think I was probably a little bit older, had a little bit more sense of how offices work and how people interact in an office environment and little things like that. I, I probably knew how the printer worked, which is helpful. Uh, all those things that people forget about at the start. So, I mean, Look, it's great if people are driven and ready. Those that aren't, you know, don't worry. You, you, your time will come. Trust your instincts to some degree. Uh, and, you know, don't be afraid to try something out. Uh, as I said, even like from the corporate stuff, if you told me when I was in university that I wouldn't be a human rights barrister, but I'd actually be a, a corporate solicitor, I would have told you something gone absolutely terribly wrong. But as it turned out, you know, this has worked out extremely well for me. So I think, yeah, trust yourself, trust your instincts have an open mind but don't panic if you know you haven't made a decision yet you know I like to consider myself still young so you guys are definitely still young <laughs> <laughs> well that's great advice um, and then my last question sorry for putting you on the spot here but is uh, whether you'd have a book recommendation um uh, this is quite shameful and it's quite uh, embarrassing but the, the sort of books I read are uh, you know the, the John Grisham's and the, the sort of the the the, 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 the things that you definitely shouldn't be admitting to on podcasts and stuff like that John uh, I, I, I'd love to be able to tell you that it was some literary classic that really you know turned my life around and stuff like that it's it's that kind of you know tacky twisty thing that I, I'm into a not so much a book but what I think is an interesting a useful resource uh, for for me certainly and I suspect for you guys as well is 
no one used. Uh, it's kind of a an online news over audio podcasty type thing, which basically it's not a podcast. It's sort of it breaks down and digests sort of news articles from uh, various newspapers internationally, and you can kind of pick and choose which ones you want, and they can break them down into short reads and long reads. And I find that really handy because I'm not the kind of person who loves to read, you know, every line of every newspaper. I kind of like you know, the snappy headlines, get an idea of what's going on, have something interesting to say about it and kind of move on. Uh, it is particularly useful in my line of work to know what's going on. And I imagine for people like yourselves who are coming up to the stage where they'll be thinking of interviews and stuff like that, having some awareness of what's going on outside of kind of your own four walls is helpful. So I just find that a really good resource because you can be on the dart, you can be out for a walk or something, you can listen to a couple of things and it kind of assimilates in without too much effort and you don't really notice you've done it. I should say, in, in the interest of full disclosure, they are also a client from the Start Strong program. So, you know, that is a cheap plug as well, but it is actually excellent. So uh, I think that's that's a really useful thing. Yeah, we can edit out the John Gresham comment, can't we? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Sean, for, for talking to me. It's been really interesting. No problem. It was my pleasure. And Speak yeah, best with everything. Cheers. Thanks.